Good morning, everyone. For those of you that don't know who I am, um, I'm Jim LaCroix. I'm the youth pastor here. It's good to see all of your faces this morning. Um, So I want to talk about the elephant in the room right away. Who here today might just be a little disappointed that Pastor Matthew's not speaking? (laughs) I got my hand up. I got my hand. Yep, I see you. Yeah. That's all right. I understand. But he's preached like nine times to us in the last seven weeks, and we thought, man, we better give the guy a break, right? Um, You know, we don't want to burn him out, but I don't know if that's possible, man. He's got a lot of joy for the Lord. Um, But I am super excited for what God has put on my heart today to share uh, with our church family. A church where anyone can grow. A church, to be clear, that's a community of people, a community of people where anyone can grow. When I just think about that, when I say that, those words, there's something that stirs in front of me because I want that to be our community. Man, I want that so deeply. Now, for those of you that might have missed it, that was the title of the first sermon series that, that Pastor Matthew led us through as the new lead pastor here at Grace Church back in March. It was a three-week sermon series. And I would highly recommend that if you missed it, uh, or I would just highly recommend you go and listen to it once again, um, because I think we're going to be referring to it a lot as we kind of journey forward as a church. And if you want to do that, just go to our website, and you can just click on sermons, and you'll be able to find it there. Um, But the equation we used... Uh, during that, that series was this. It was the gospel plus safety plus time equals a church. Again, a, a community of people where anyone can grow. And today, I want to, through God's word, to lean into this equation a little bit deeper. Because we don't really just want this to be a cool slogan, like to put on t-shirts or on a bumper sticker or something like that. It's not, not just a dream. Man, we want this to be a community where people know that they can belong. And they know in this community they can be healed and set free from the things that bind them. A community where we can each take one step closer to understanding who Jesus Christ is a little bit better. Where we can mature in our faith. Now, we know we're not there yet. We are on a journey as a church. And at the end of this sermon today, I'm going to talk a little bit about something we have planned in the near future to help us move along in this journey. But now let's turn to God's Word as it provides the steps, like the pathway to actually how to become a church, a community of people where anyone and everyone can grow. Today I'm going to be looking at Romans uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. And I'm going to be using the New Living uh, Translation. I'm not sure where to put this. So the first two words in that are, and so. And we need to stop right there, because we need to understand this and so. Because it says and so, and then there's a comma there. And we need to understand that everything that Paul is going to tell us after that comma is predicated or it's built upon something very important that he taught earlier. 
And this is really important for us to understand because all of what Paul is going to teach us in Romans 12 is built upon, it's reliant upon what he taught earlier. And if we don't understand that, if we don't hold fast to that, um, the teaching in, in chapter 12 today is just going to fall apart. The foundation will give way. So what is it? What is it that we are to clearly understand when Paul says, and so? Simply put, it's this. We are all sinners. And it's only through the grace of God alone that we are saved from the wrath and punishment that we deserve. Now, don't be dull to that. Don't be like, oh, wow, I was expecting something better. It's like, wait, there is actually nothing better. We can't be, it's like, well, we hear that every week. It's like, no, 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 no. This is so important for us to understand. It's so important. Pastor Matthew talked um, in this sermon series back in March about one of our greatest problems is we, we don't truly understand how bad it would be for us without the saving grace of Jesus Christ. We don't understand how bad it is. And we get dull to this amazing truth, this transformational truth that we need to hold fast to. So, when he says, and so, he's talking about like everything he taught in Romans up to this point. But a great summary of it, I think, is Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 24. <coughs> he writes, we are, to make right, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. So again, to be super clear, what is the one and only way we are made right with Jesus Christ? It is through faith. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way we are made right with God. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. No matter who we are, for everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. Man, we cannot be callous to this. We cannot be dulled to this amazing truth. Everything we're going to study in Romans 12 today relies on this great affection we should have because Jesus saved us. He saved us from the wrath we deserve. This great and glorious exchange. He took our filth, our sin, our punishment, the death we deserve. And what does he give us in return for that? It's crazy. He gives us abundant eternal life. Man, this should stir a great affection in us, a great appreciation and love for God. And I would challenge you, if, you're, if you don't have this great affection, maybe we just don't quite still understand how bad it would be for us without Jesus doing what he's done for us. And so, so some of the earlier teaching, just Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Here's the truth. We are up to our eyeballs in sin, all of us. And that's what we deserve is death. But there's a comma. Praise Jesus for the comma. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus 
our Lord. I want to pray for us as we start this morning. Father, I pray right now that that your Holy Spirit would awaken us. Father, I do pray that you would help us to understand there has never been anything done for us ever that compares, that even comes close to comparing to what you've done for us when you died for us on the cross. And you paid the price that needed to be paid so that our relationship could be made right with you. Father, thank you for that. Father, I pray this morning that we would be receptive, that we would be hungry hungry for your word, that we would be open and humble to letting your word transform us, change us. Father, I, I do pray that you would put in us a deep desire to be the people you desire for us to be. So I do pray that, that your word would land in our heads and our hearts and be held captive there. Father, I pray above all else this morning that you would be honored, that you would be glorified. I, I, I ask that we could see you just get a peek today for, for how great you are. So Father, I do ask that you would be honored here this morning. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So Romans 12.1, and so. So again, and so because of this great thing he has done for us, we have great affection. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead, I beg with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Again, what has he done for us? He has saved us. Because of that, give your bodies. Give all that you are to God because what he's done for us. It says, let them, let our bodies be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind God will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Now, when Paul talks about our bodies being this living and holy sacrifice, I think it's really helpful to go back to Romans chapter 6, verse 12 and 13, because that helps us understand what he's talking about here. So verse 12 in chapter 6 says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. All right? So he's saying, don't let our bodies be an instrument to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you, why should we do this? Why should we give ourselves completely to God? For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of the of the Lord of God. I'm sorry, to do what is right for the glory of God. So he's saying, don't use our bodies as an instrument for sin to dishonor God, but actually use our bodies to bring glory to God. All that we are to bring glory to God. Now in chapter 12, he's saying that our bodies are to be a living and holy sacrifice. He's saying the same thing. Our bodies should be used to bring glory to God. Now, these are some kind of lofty words. Like when someone comes up to you and say, man, you should be a living and holy sacrifice. It's like, whoa, that sounds like a a lot, right? So I I think it's really important we understand what it actually means. How does that work out in our lives, right? So 
Luckily, that's what Paul's going to talk about right now in the next verse. And he's going to say, hey, if you really want to be this living and holy sacrifice, you know what? There's some things you need to stop doing. And then he's going to talk about some things you need to start doing. Okay? So let's, let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. So a great question is, what are the customs of this world that stand opposed to us being this living and holy sacrifice to God? Now, before we go off and start making our own list of behaviors, let's do something crazy. Let's actually look at what Paul was thinking and what was on his heart and on his mind when he wrote this letter. And there's three behaviors of this world that he points out that we really need to avoid if we want to be this living and holy sacrifice. Let's go to Romans chapter 1, verse 25. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, uh, they traded the truth of God for a lie. So that's number one right there. They traded the truth about God for a lie. And then the next sentence says, so they worshiped and served the things of God that God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. That's number two. Don't praise the creation, praise the creator. Skip down to verse 28. He writes, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God. There's number three. Don't fail to acknowledge God in everything. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. I'm going to spend just a little time kind of helping us understand, unpack these three behaviors of the world that we need to avoid. The first one was believing in the lie of this world versus the truth of God. The lie of this world. So to, be, to make it as simple as possible, the lie of this world is believing that you are smarter than God. And we laugh, um, but here's the thing that's kind of tricky about it is like nobody ever comes out and say, you know, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about things and pondering things, and I've come to this conclusion. I'm smarter than God. I am. I mean, if we talk to someone like that, we're like, oh, this person's, you know, needs a little help, right? But the, the truth is this. If you look at how we live out our lives, the decisions we make, the actions we take, it, it demonstrates that we think we are smarter than God. <clears throat> um, yeah, we think we're smart. This, this is a lie of this world, believing that we're smarter than God. And it started with Adam and Eve, right? And it's still alive and strong in us today. Proverbs uh, 14, uh, verse 12 says, There's a way that seems right to man, and this way is apart from God. There's a way that seems right from man but it is the way to death. So here's some dangerous statements. If you ever hear these statements like coming out of your mouth or you hear them from someone else, like a little red flag might go up. I know what's best for me. I know what's best for my marriage. I know what's best for my kids. I know what's best for my future. This is a, a behavior of the world and we should not conform to it. We need to humble ourselves, right? 
And we need to, to know that we are not smarter than the creator of all things. We just aren't. We need to have a practice of humbly going to the Lord and asking for his will, having him help us understand his ways. So the first thing we're supposed to avoid is thinking that uh, we are smarter than God, that we're trading the, the truth of God for the lies of this world. We're supposed to avoid that. The second thing, the behavior of this world we are to avoid, is to worship the creation over the creator. Now, this is a big thing in like the area we live in, right? I think we've all met people like, oh, this is them. <coughs> but basically, um, people don't want God. They just want all the cool stuff he created, right? And man, I love creation. I do. Like, I, we've been blessed to go to some, some amazing places. Like, I walk my dog, uh, like, at this one place most of the time. And, like, every time I walk him, I'm still like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And it stirs my affection for the creator. It stirs my affection for the creator. But if you don't recognize the creator and instead love the created thing, your life is destined to be less than it was designed to be. I love watching basketball. It's one of my favorite things to do. And this year, there's kind of a new thing players were doing when they scored a bucket. They were doing this. And where's my Spartan basketball players? What does that mean? It means you're too small. You're too small. And what it is, is like one guy backed a bigger guy down, or a bigger guy backed a smaller guy down to the basket and was able to score. And he's like celebrating, you're too small. Like, you're never going to be able to guard me. He's right. He's actually right. But he's saying, you're too small. That's what he's saying. And that's what I want to do to people who love creation, but refuse to look past creation to this amazing, amazing creator. Man, I want to tell him, you're just thinking a little too small. And you're really missing out on this deeper joy and this deeper meaning and purpose that comes from seeing and knowing the creator over the creation. The enjoyment of creation was never meant to stop at the created thing. Creation is meant to stir our affections towards a creator. So don't do that. <laughs> Let's not be those people. Um, the third thing is we need to avoid failing to acknowledge God. The cold hard truth is you and I have nothing to boast about. We really have nothing to boast about besides what God has done for us. I have absolutely nothing to boast about that will have any lasting value at all. Now, don't hear me wrong. Please don't hear me wrong. I did not say that you are not valuable. Man, as a pastor, this is, this is the thing that breaks my heart the most is I have so many people that believe that they're junk. Like something has happened to them in their life. Someone has done something or said something to them and they have this lie that they are not valuable. And it's a lie. You are super valuable. You are a unique masterpiece created by God. And in Christ, you are a child of the King. Man, that's the only thing we can boast about. Man, we take credit for so much that will not last and really doesn't matter. And what do we have that has not come from the providential hand of God? The answer, nothing. 
There's nothing. Nothing at all. Man, if you have gifts, if you've earned something, I know there's people that have gifts and they've earned great things in their life, but acknowledge God in that. Give Him the credit. Give Him the glory. Be, be boastful about how good the Lord is. But man, th- th- we, we clamor in this earth to boast about ourselves, and that is not acknowledging God. That's, that's failing to acknowledge God. And we're to avoid that. So if you want to be this living sacrifice, an instrument to bring glory to God, we need to not trade the truth of God for the lies of this world. Don't think we're smarter than God. Secondly, don't worship the created thing over the creator. And third, never fail to acknowledge God in all that he has done for you. So those are some things we're we're not supposed to do. So what are we supposed to start doing? Well, let's look at Romans 12 too. We'll we'll continue on. It says, But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. The renewal of the mind is what they're talking about here. I want to read that again. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So to be this living sacrifice, we must let God transform the way we think. Because, again, we have this great affection for him, right? He has saved us. So we want to humble ourselves and like, help me, Lord, make my mind think like you think. Give me the passions of your heart. Help me to honor you in all I do. And to do that, of course, we have to change the way we think. So how do you go about letting God transform your mind? Well, I love how a simple old hymn puts it. It says this, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full, look full into his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will become strangely dim. They just disintegrate. They kind of go into the background. In the light compared to his glory and grace. How does this renewing of your mind take place? It takes place by focusing on God. Looking fully into his wonderful face for answers. Not to this world. And how do you look into his How do you look full into his wonderful face? Well, an absolutely vital part of letting God transform the way you think is knowing and understanding the Bible. You need to know what God's word says. You need to know it. There's no way around it. This is how you transform the way you think. Know the Bible. And then we must get really, really good at preaching to ourselves through the Holy Spirit. Think of all the self-talk that happens in your life every single day. Man, it can take you to some weird places, some unhealthy places, right? And we need to be able to preach truth to ourselves from God's Word, asking the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us every single day. Hard things come our way all the time, right? Hard, hard things. Really hard things. Things that, 
are so hard that it's hard to think straight at times. The death of a loved one. Someone getting really sick that you love. Broken relationships. Wars. Rumors of wars. Financial hardship. Sometimes people are just stuck in a situation and it seems like there's no way out. What we need to do is we need to be able to turn our eyes to Jesus. We need to have a filter to run everything through. And God's word needs to be our filter, not the world. God's word needs to be ingrained in our mind so he can guide and direct us through everything that happens in our life. So once your mind is saturated with God's word and his goodness is in your your brain and you're thinking like God is thinking, then what happens? Let's look at verses 3 through 5. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, this is Paul, I give each of you this warning, 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 like this is a warning in the Bible, we should listen. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, the church, this community of believers. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Can we say that together? We all belong to each other right now. We all belong to each other. Good practice. One more time. We all belong to each other. I love this. A renewed mind in Christ opens our eyes up to one of the most important things we ever have to understand as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ. And that is, man, we are not meant to do life alone. We were not created to do life alone. God wants us all to understand that we belong to one another. We belong in a Christ-centered community. There's a huge group of people And it's a growing group of people called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, the nuns. These are people who say that they love God, and I believe they do, but they want nothing to do with the church. They want nothing to do with the family of God. And as I'm reading and thinking about these, these verses, I think that maybe these people might fall into that category of thinking you are better than you really are. Because it says we're supposed to do this honest evaluation of ourselves. And you know, when I do an honest evaluation of myself, one of the first things I recognize is, man, I am in desperate need of help. I am in desperate need of help. I, I am. I need friends who know me and love me and encourage me and, and, and correct me at times. And I need the wisdom of others because, you know what? I know my wisdom is too small. It's too small. You can come up to me after the service and say, Pastor Jim, your wisdom's too small. I'm going to say, amen. You are right. You are right. I love the last words in verse 5 there where it says, we all belong to each other. Man, when you have something that belongs to you, you're responsible for it, right? I mean, that's what we try to teach our kids anyway, is you're responsible for it. And, and, and I keep telling them like, Are you going to take good care of it or are you not going to take good care of it? 
If I'm responsible for another person, another brother or sister in Christ, man, they belong to me then, right? So then I need to get to know them. I need to love them and, and care for them and serve them. And if, if, if I belong to someone else, I expect kind of that they're going to seek me out too and get to know me and love me. It's, it's a two-way street. That's the way it should work. We cannot become the people that God wants us to be if we're a lone ranger. We just can't. We need to be in a community with one another. And hear this, to, to actually become a church where anyone can grow, to actually become a, a community of people where anyone can grow, a critical component of making that come true is having a healthy community where like anyone, anyone can belong. Anyone can join in. Anyone can be a part of this community. Paul writes more on what a healthy community looks like in the next couple verses. He says, in his grace, in God's grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophecy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If God is given, if, if the gift of serving others, I'm sorry, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. If you like technical things, serve on our tech team. If you like baking, bake to the glory of God and bring it into the pastors just so we can check it out. (laughs) But what this is saying is every single person ever created has a special and unique wiring and, and a gift of some, some ability. And this list in verses 6 through 8 are not meant to be like an exhaustive list. It's not. There are so many more gifts. This verse is saying, in order for us to be a healthy and God-glorifying community, we need to recognize a couple things. The first thing we need to recognize is God has well-equipped our body of believers. He has equipped the church with a lot of different abilities and passions and talents. So he has equipped us. God is the equipper. It's important for us to understand that. And he has done that marvelously. The second thing we need to understand is that you and I are to use our special gifts, our abilities to bring glory to God. We need to use them. He's given them to us. We need to use them for his glory. Understand this. If you are not using your God-given gifts, your God-given abilities to bring glory to God, to bring glory to his community, you know what? You're limiting what this community could become. Let me put it another way that might be a little more positive. Um, Imagine if everyone that calls Grace Church their home. So last Sunday, we had 400, about 400 people, just shy of 400 people here in our church for Easter and over 100 online viewers. So I'm going to say there's about 500 people that call Grace Church their home. 
We can debate that, but I think it's a really good number, about 500. But imagine if everyone who calls Grace Church their home were using their God-given gifts to bring glory to God. I'm like, wow, that, that makes me super excited. That, that makes, I would love to see that. Because I know for a fact there are some amazing people that call Grace Church their home that, that love God, that love other people well, and, and they're actually like an important part of our family, but they, they haven't quite yet figured out how to use their time and their talents to glorify God. And, and what if as a community we just sat down and tried to figure that out together? This is what would happen if that actually happened. First of all, for, for each of us, like if we're doing, like God has given our gifts, and if we're actually using those gifts to bring glory to God, we are actually doing what God created us to do. And there's going to be an affection that's stirred in us for God. We're going to be more joyful for the Lord. It's like what we were created to do. I mean, I love that feeling. It's like, wow, I'm doing what I was created to do. Because I used to do a lot of things I was not created to do. And then once you taste and see, it's like, this is what I need to be doing. So what's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of people that come alive. And their faith in Jesus is going to grow. And they're going to take one step closer to understanding and becoming that person who God wants them to be. The second thing I believe that, that would happen is in this community, I think there would be an impact for Jesus Christ that may have never been seen before. Does that excite you? That excites me. Man, it, it excites me just for like people I know for their life. But it, it excites me for the kingdom of God. All right, where am I? Some of you are thinking, I don't know what my giftedness is. Well, we actually want to help you in that. Um, and ironically, the place where you can best determine where you might be the most gifted is actually uh, within a community of close friends. You're just living life with them, and they see you do something. It's like, man, you're really good at that. You're really good at that. That's one of the best places actually to find out your giftedness is with your closest friends in a community. So here's our plan. The leaders of this church, this community of believers, we want to focus on building up the strength of our community over the summer months. Now, most churches would say that you're crazy to kick off anything new before summer starts. Well, if that's true, we're about to get crazy. We're going to do it anyway. So we're going to do it. Um, so... Um, Honestly, we've been talking about it as pastors, and we don't want to, like, waste the summer. We actually want to start working on becoming a church where anyone can grow. Of all the places to get emotional, I don't know what I'm saying, that place, I just don't. But. So, we want to get better at creating opportunities for people to know they belong. They belong. We want, like, it to be in our DNA that when we see a person... We see them and we think, man, they belong in the kingdom of God. And we want to create a place here so they can experience that here at Grace Church, that belonging feeling. We want a place where they know they can belong. Christ-centered community groups. Christ-centered community groups. It's kind of a new little title that we're throwing out there, which is different than a study group. Christ-centered 
centered community groups. And, and these are groups that are going to focus on building up relationships. And they're going to provide opportunities for people to plug in and to be known and to belong. This is a group of people that are going to get together on a regular basis um, intentionally to have some fun and to get to know one another and learn how to love and to care and to encourage one another. Again, the primary focus of this group isn't a study. You're not going to get arrested if you do a study. You can do a study, okay? We're just saying the primary focus is building up relationships, getting to know one another better. Study groups. That's what we're going to call things. We're going to be kicking off more study groups in the fall. But the primary focus on these is going to be Christian education, where we're opening up the Bible or a book and we're studying it. We're digging it into together to learn more about God, to grow in our maturity. The primary focus on this isn't relationship, but we know relationship happens in those groups too. Does that make sense? So, so we have Christ-centered community groups and we have study groups. Sunday, May 15th, 4 p.m., we're going to have a vision casting meeting. Pastor Matthew is going to be leading that meeting and we're going to be talking about Christ-centered community groups. And we want to invite everyone to this meeting. Now, to be clear, this isn't a new program where you're just going to come, oh, I got 100 options here. Which one am I going to pick? No, that's not at all. We want this to be an environment. So we would love for you guys to come with ideas on, on maybe how we could do some of this. Think about things you like to do. Think about your closest friends. Bring those things together. Like, hey, I know we like doing this. Can we do this together and invite some other people into it and acknowledge God in all that we're doing? Because I think that will stir our affections towards God. Uh, worship team, why don't you come up? So Roger Hilbeg was here earlier um, talking about this prison ministry. And it's such a great example of what we're talking about. Roger has got a passion to sit with men who are in prison and talk to them about Jesus and the gospel message. And he's done all of this research to figure out what has to be done to actually make it happen. And he's got that done. Now he's saying, hey, come and join me. Come and join me. And that's going to be a new community. They're going to learn to love and cherish each other, encourage each other. Such a great example. Do you like hiking? Let's make a hiking club. Do you guys like sewing? I know there's already an amazing sewing club. You know, we used to do this thing with couples. It was a dinner club. We, would just, we wanted to try different restaurants around town. And we'd go and we'd have some amazing discussions. Sometimes we'd meet in houses for dinners, a golfing club, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, that's what we're going to be doing. And again, in all of these groups, we're going to acknowledge God and what we're doing. So to close today, um, I just want to read to you. So I, we, just, we just studied Romans uh, 12, 1 through 8. And I just want to read, um, why don't we stand, uh, verses 9 through 18. It's the following verses after what we study today. Ezra, I can move this stuff if you want to. Um, it says this. This is what Scripture says. Listen to this. <laughs> Let your love be genuine. I think in your version it said, don't be a fake, right? Let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo 
one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Let's praise the Lord together.